Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, have you heard the news? It's the little things, Eric. No, bad things coming too, but I never knew about the little things. I'm, of Uh, course, quoting Danny Elfman's The Little Things. That is the end credit song for the master the action masterpiece known as wanted with james mcavoy and angelina jolie fair not the they should have just used that same song as the credit sequence here yeah um today we are reviewing uh john lee hancock's the little things uh being released on january 29th 2021 starring one denzel washington rami malik uh the thespian jared leto um, and more. How dare um, you not include Chris Bauer or sorry, Terry Chris, Kenny? Chris Bauer, Natalie Morales, you know, uh, uh, tons of other people and character actors pop up here and there. Um, Eric, how are you doing? Otherwise, Sundance is tomorrow. I'm dating this, but I mean, this comes out on the second day of Sundance. So. Oh, I thought you were saying you're dating Sundance. I was like, I, no, you shouldn't yeah. be announcing that. I mean, maybe you should talk to Nevis beforehand. I, I don't know. But yeah, tomorrow, like, it's uh it's one of those things where it's it it I know it's tomorrow and we it only have sunk in yet. you know it hasn't sunk in yet and we only have one movie to cover tomorrow so it's not too bad it's it's just like the weekend itself moving into then or oh, yeah. th- at that point where it's like okay we have like a 3 4 5 movie day um but again like it's 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 very much like tiff where you know it's you open those windows within certain time periods and what have you but I'm excited as well. I think once you just actually sort of dive in, you just kind of get used to it and you just go with the flow and yeah, you'll feel tired and exhausted and complain. But I mean, we're also very lucky just to be doing it. Oh, I'm excited. I don't think I'll, I I didn't, I don't think we complained during, you know, we have the tiff that we did, you know, all of our coverage for and it it went really well. And I didn't mind the at home experience and I tested out, the sun and we're getting into Sundance talk. So maybe we'll just save it. Uh, you guys can um, check out all of our reviews for Sundance right here on the reviews channel. Uh, they'll be branded with a Sundance kind of uh, graphic and everything. And, and you'll know very clearly which movies are Sundance reviews versus uh, we have a couple other reviews that'll probably this being one of them coming out around the same time. So, uh, but let's get into it. John Lee Hancock's the little things, Eric. Um, I know this is a movie that most people probably have seen a million times, but tell them what it's about. <laughs> right. Well, it has John Lee, uh, Hancock's signature written all over it. See what I did there. Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar with John Lee Hancock, he is a screenwriter and director, uh, best known for writing, uh, the Clint Eastwood directed film. Um, a perfect world, which I think is, is, is amazing. And that came out in around 93 and right around that time he wrote the little things. So this script has been kind of, you know, collecting. Doesn't dust it feel now. like it's it, it, that totally tracks. Cause it does feel like it's plucked right out of 1994. Right. But I mean, it's also a period piece that takes place in 1990. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he literally did absolutely nothing to change or modify the script, like even just no, on that's what I mean. like, yeah. actors that were cast. Because th- again, this script has been kicking around for a long time. Clint Eastwood was going to direct it at one point, which actually I think 
he could have done something with that. Like, you know, Clint Eastwood's not like a, a great auteur filmmaker, but as a minimalist, I think he adds something to it. And Steven Spielberg was going to direct it at one point. So, you know, like it, it has garnered interest, but since you know, it being written, we've had so many kind of cop procedural, police procedurals, serial killer movies that have kind of changed the way that we look at that subgenre specifically from, you know, seven to uh, along came a spider to everything in between, like some good, some bad, um, like Suspect Zero, which was just a ripoff of uh, seven with Ben Kingsley and Aaron Eckhart and Carrie Ann Moss. But with the little things, you have Denzel Washington and Rami Malek teaming up as cops uh, in the Los Angeles area to track down uh, Jared Leto's serial killer. And it's not just about um, finding Jared Leto's character. It's about making the evidence stick because everything is circumstantial for the most part. You know, uh, Leto, even though- know it's him, but they can't prove yeah, it. Yeah, even though he's creepy and weird and he's this avid sort of true crime fan that keeps- and we're not giving anything away. No, no, this is all in the like, trailer. Yeah. This is all like we try to. They get- want you to think it's a mystery for the first hour, but it's not. And but here's like- the thing: the, the the more the the mystery isn't really about Leto oh, being the killer. Yeah. It's more about Denzel Washington characters, Joe yeah. Deke Deacon. Every Why time they called so obsessed him with it, right? Yeah, every time they called him Deke, I kept thinking of that um that kids uh production company at the end of certain cartoons. Sure. Be like, Deke. Random random reference that very few people will get. But, but yeah, I love so it. Denzel Washington's character used to be a homicide detective in Los Angeles, but something happened, and now he's you know, five years later in 1990, he's working in um Kern County, County, which is outside of Los Angeles as a deputy. And he comes back to Los Angeles for some evidence. And during this point, there is a new sort of string of murders, specifically women being killed. And the his successor, played by Rami Malek, who's a uh, detective sergeant, is on the case. And he is kind of at first apprehensive towards Deke, like I thought there would be more of a kind of like, uh, you know, like their two styles clash a lot. And there's like maybe this kind of underlining. No, but they become BFFs right they away. They kind of yeah. do. Yeah. Like you think like the first scene that they meet, like um, with him sort of parking his car where it is with Denzel Washington's character parking his car and like uh, Rami Malek's Jim Baxter kind of being like, you're parking my your car in an area you should be parking it. And you think like they're, you know, off on the wrong foot, but it's pretty quick when they're like, they see this like, you know, kinship between each other, this, <laughs> this, you know, like, okay, I like, we're both kind of similar in our, in our approaches to the material or, or to how we sort of, you know, investigate something like this. Um, but what, the story is the main sort of sort of gist of the story is having Denzel Washington's character kind of slowly reveal why he is where he is at that time in his life and seeing him kind of as the grizzled burnt out cop who, you know, puts everything into an investigation to the point where it can destroy everything else around him, both professionally and personally. Um, I think Denzel Washington is good in the movie and kind of that, performance and i actually the one thing i will say before we you know take this down (laughs) i do like the idea of washington and malik's characters kind of where they are to begin with and where they end up and again how deke 
kind of corrupts everything and not in an intentional way, but it's almost like anything he touches just is like poison becomes poison. Yes. And I kind of think that that's interesting, but other than that, it's a, but it doesn't really showcase that, that no, 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 not in I I understand what you're saying of like where the movie ultimately goes, but it doesn't, I feel like earn that. No, 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 no. But you know where it's going and what it's trying to do with that. Yeah. But everything else is pretty much routine. It's a paint by numbers, um, sort of cat and mouse chase thriller. But again, it's vanilla ice cream. Yeah. It's more to do with, you know, making sure that the evidence is able to stick than, you know, the actual revealing of the serial killer. Like but none of that is that interesting. Cause like, I, I just, to get into the part of tearing it up is just like, I agree with you. Like Denzel's Denzel. Like I always, at least he's captivating enough where the movie isn't like a, I'm going to tear my hair out uh movie. I still think it's pretty bad, Um, but it's watchably bad. It's not a, a fun watch. I think it's very boring and very dull, but like because of Denzel and I don't even like Rami Malek or Jared Leto all that much. Um, I liked Malik in, in Mr. Robot, but as he's taking kind of like bigger and bigger roles, it just, uh, it hasn't really, I think I just keep thinking of Bohemian Rhapsody and I just yeah. get, get angry. Um, and both of them are kind of hamming it up in their kind of both are weirdo kind of ways. Um, yeah, I just think the movie's super dull. It does feel like it's plucked straight out of the early nineties. And like you said, hasn't been touched since then. So it feels like a movie that, not is a period piece of the 90s, even though it is, it feels like a movie that would have been made in 1993 and would have just been like, you know, fine for the most part, uh, um, comparing it to some of these other movies that people are comparing it to. We brought up seven already and, you know, well, even just, with television now, right? Like with Dexter yeah. or Criminal yes. Minds, like like True I felt like watching this. Like, well, like even just like like Criminal Minds, it felt like a pilot of a TV show, yeah. Than, than this, right? Like it, it just yeah. kind of feels like okay, yeah, maybe it was quote unquote cutting edge when it was written in '93, but since then, so much has happened where it's like okay. This is and better of, stuff. That's what I mean by True Detective and like yeah, other yeah. things like that, where we've seen a show that just oozes with style and is a mystery and is just intense and like and, and goes into some of that stuff of being a fucked up, burnt out cop for different reasons and shit like that, or, or a former detective and, and and stuff like that. This movie is just so you said it, paint by numbers and just and just bland. I remember just watching and I kept going to Nevis and she like was watching it with me. She was playing animal crossing as she was watching. Cause she just didn't care that much. Uh, and I don't blame her. Um, I had to watch it. She didn't. Um, and I just, I was like, is this it? I kept going. I'm like, is this it? Like, is there an, are they going, I'm like, I don't even think this movie has the balls, uh, to have some outlandish twist. Cause I kept thinking like, are they going to do this? And then they, right. I know exactly what you're talking about as kind yeah. of like, or even just as a red herring. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, is that where they're going? I'm like, this movie doesn't have the balls to do that, man. I'm like, that would both be ridiculous and stupid and I wouldn't like it. So it's like almost a lose, lose situation because I'm like, if they go the route where I think they're going, then that's boring. And if they go the other route that I think they could go, that's ridiculous and stupid. And also like it, so I'm like, this is just kind of a lose lose thing. And then ultimately where the movie ends up, I agree with you where it's like, there could have been something 
interesting there, but the way it's executed and the way they get there is just so fucking boring and everything takes so long to get there. And like, there is no overlying mystery. Like Denzel's backstory isn't like they touch on it with some, you know, stylish uh, touches. I'm using in quotes where he's seeing uh, some, some of the women from a previous case that he, um, was handling which essentially will graham like the way that will graham talks to himself at a crime scene and sort of kind of basically gets inside the mind of the killer to the point where again like it burns him out and you know like his family life suffers and his professional life suffers and like the way that he talks to the victim is exactly william peterson in manhunter like it's it's just verbatim and it feels like i could have been watching any of those other movies or even bad TV shows Period. that would have only been an hour long, you know, but, and it's, and it's odd because like, I also think like, again, this is just like, you know, opinion. And, and, you know, if you, if you were to switch the roles of Rami Malek and Jared Leto, I think that might've been more interesting because Rami Malek yeah. has this kind of creepiness to him that feels kind of built in like it feels and real. that's what i'm alluding to to what jared i was leto, like the jared leto thing feels like it's like he's, he's, he's trying he's a to poser. he's yes a poser. exactly but yeah. i think that could have worked as like you know a guy who's trying smarmy cop or something exactly right? like, yeah, exactly yeah. and i think that might have been more interesting to to do um I, I hate jared leto i i don't like saying that about a lot of people but like he's one of those guys that every time i see him in something i one question the people that are working with him because there are some really wonderful filmmakers that have you know, hired him more than once being David Fincher. But I also weirdly think he gets some weird sort of like sadistic satisfaction in like torturing or killing him in movies like Fight Club or Panic Room. But there's just something where it's like, there could be somebody else in this role that could actually be really, really exciting. And I just don't get him as an actor or as a person. And um, it's just a shame because like every time I saw him on screen in this movie, you know, I just... I just wanted to roll my eyes and be like, dude, like, I agree with you. Oh, even the way he, so, he, he carries himself so physically, hammy. like that weird yeah. kind of waddle with Limp, like the big like stomach, like yeah. the, the big, the big yeah. kind of like stomach that he's, that he has is like a prosthetic. Like you're just like, yes. it's so hammy. Right? It really, it really is. And like, I, I totally agree with you. You nailed it. Where like, I don't love Jared Leto either. I like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go in hating you but you gotta win me over dude and like and him just it it just oozes that type of acting where it's someone is acting they are acting where denzel talks like this all the time and denzel is like he's he's a movie star but you can lose yourself in a role with denzel where you're like oh denzel's so good that I believe everything he's doing. It feels effortless, right? Where someone like Jared Leto, you can see the effort. You see the effort on screen. And that's never a good thing. And I have the same problem with Chris Pratt sometimes. And there are certain actors that I'm just like, I can, like you have a presence almost sometimes, but like that's not enough. And I just can see this script on screen and someone memorizing their lines and then going, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a weird voice and like this thing. And I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like it's so over the top. Well, you know, to the also point did of like, that a lot and it's problematic actor, Kevin Spacey tying it back yeah, to seven, there you go. who is yeah. an actor that like, you know, aside what he's 
done, which is horrible, has been good in stuff. But at the same time, he's one of those guys that you can tell tries way too fucking hard and also kind of feels a little phony and disingenuous. Like it's almost like he's putting on this facade that just doesn't work. Um, and that's what I get with Jared Leto, you know, in terms of of him as an actor. I think the only performance of his that I can really say that I liked is Requiem for a Dream, you know, in in, in the Darren Aronofsky yeah. film. I, I I'd agree, and like even in movies that we love, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like he almost ruins just, it with his yeah scenes. yeah exactly. And like, and I'm with you with Remy Malek, which I think I just have maybe the the sour taste of bohemian rhapsody uh, on the back of my tongue still but like at least he doesn't have those big teeth in this one and i do agree with you that he's like almost effortlessly creepy like just naturally creepy looking and sounding just in his the way that he emotes and and things like that that's why the whole movie i'm like are they gonna go there and then ultimately they don't and they go a different route but um i do i did really like him in mr robot but it just hasn't worked in any of the movies that i've seen him in since um well he's so good in and you mentioned mr robot but like even in smaller supporting roles in short term 12 and the master and it's so weird because in those movies he's actually kind of warm and goofy and like even in something as bad as like tom hanks's larry crown there's something that happened to him like right when he got mr robot and he started becoming critically acclaimed and now he's the way that his voice it's almost like I I must now be this actor instead of just being like a regular person. Like his affectation is just so yes, pronounced. Yeah. I agree. I agree completely. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean the movie, I, I said it before. I just, I think I just sat there emotionless for the most part. And I just kept going, is this really all this is? I'm like, it's just, okay, that happened. Yep. All right. Let's get to the next thing. Okay. Yep. That's pretty much what I thought was going to happen. Oh, okay. They're going to do this now. Okay. Oh, that's what the ending is going to be. Okay. Interesting. Oh, that's what the twist is. Okay. The backstory. All right. And then like, I just didn't feel anything and it just felt very bland and it did feel like a movie that, you know, I would have, you know, caught on HBO ironically um, on a Friday night or my dad would have been watching it or something. And like when I was younger and it would have been like, uh, you know, back then being like, Ooh, serial killer movie. But then like, you realize it's just this kind of bland nineties movie. And that's just kind of what this feels like. And I, I don't know. It's, it was disappointing. It's just, I, I can't really find any positives. Um, other than like, obviously I like Denzel, but it's unfortunate when it, he's in a movie that I just think is surrounded by s- stuff. That's just not interesting at all. Like I remember in some of the, the tailing sequences, um, I'm like, why is this going on so long? I'm like, I understand that you kind of have to get the point across that he's like following him a, a long ways and stuff like that. It's all about and the I'm work, just like, It's all about the stakeouts. Yeah, and I just, there's certain hours. things, but I'm like, you can show that in an interesting way that isn't just, you know, it kept, there are certain scenes that just went on way too long. And then I just like, I remember not even realizing that, um, uh, Hancock directed this and and then I, I remember maybe half an hour into the movie I'm like who directed this movie <laughs> um and then I'm like I looked on my phone quickly and I'm like ah this tracks okay um and I just think uh, Hancock's in that same boat with me with Ron Howard that I just find that he's so vanilla that everything I really watch of his at least his dir- directorial stuff in the last <clears throat> I don't know since 
a blindside in 2009. Oh, like God. I just, like, I just feel like they're so generic and just by the books movies and they, they're not really, tr- they're not like abysmal, but they're not trying that hard either. And they're just completely middle of the road or they become even lesser because they're so middle of the road that and the just actors like have nothing. to pick up a lot of the slack with these movies. Yeah. Because like Blindside, I think is terrible. Um, but like, I mean, obviously Sandra Bullock won the Oscar and that got a Best Picture nomination. I almost weirdly think like I, I really love uh, a Perfect World. I think that's a great script. I, I get him as a writer. But I think as a filmmaker, as a director, like I almost feel like, you know, dissing Ron Howard in this case is is a little bit unfair because at least Ron Howard every once in a while has will make a good movie. <laughs> yeah, he'll have the Apollo 13, the rush, you know, where this guy is almost he's consistently vanilla. He's consistently yes, yeah. everything even stuff that is supposed to be good, like the founder with uh, Michael. Yeah. Keaton, uh, it should have been awesome. It should, should have been. been awesome. And it's kind of like, it's fine because Michael Keaton is good in the role and, and there's and a lot of great McDonald's. supporting. Yeah. And it's about McDonald's and there's a lot of supporting actors that I really like in that movie. You know, John Carroll Lynch and Nick Offerman and things like that. Saving Mr. But, Banks, Tom Hanks. He always has like a great yeah, lead actor. Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah. He takes a product and the maker and just ruins it. Um, and, and yeah, and like with this as well, like the other thing is like that kind of drove me a little bit nuts is like the religious iconography in this movie. Like every time you see a cross or, you know, religious uh, imagery that is kind of to shake up Washington's character a little bit and to make him feel, you know, the sins of the past weighing on him even more. And like there are even these weird kind of like shots that will be in the movie from time to time, like, you know, a bird's eye view of cars on a highway in LA that it almost feels like, you know, That's John Lee also Hancock. a nineties so bored half of the time right and it was like i don't know what to do i i'm just gonna throw this in there and then there's one scene that i unintentionally laughed at where rami malik enters the sleazy motel that uh washington's character is staying at and he knocks at the door and nobody answers and he kind of opens it because it's unlocked and he finds denzel washington in the corner wearing boxers and uh you know an undershirt and i'm just like laughing my ass off because it just plays like so hammy and over the top and it doesn't feel like like that's the another scene that kind of just feels like it, it doesn't work in terms of like what they were going for versus what it actually is and how it's depicted on the screen. It's just really goofy. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm all for like a nuts and bolts, you know, cop serial killer movie that kind of like throws the line between the classic and the cliched. But this, this does just kind of just a generic job. And you could compare this to something like, you know, John Carter of Mars or John Carter, you know, coming uh, way after we've already seen, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. And that like the source material doesn't hold up or, it, you know, like people have already seen like how people have taken inspiration from it and have done better in other things. I feel this way with the little things, not that the little things, the script was like, a you know, like a great piece of, of writing beforehand, but you could tell maybe like if this was released in 93, this could have been something kind of like exciting because it would have predated seven, but then you look at it in 2021 and everything we've gotten with serial killer movies and that subgenre, like even to something like I saw the devil, you need something a little bit more. Yeah. This has nothing. This has no edge. It has no pulse. 
It's just rap. Even Leto's serial killer is uninteresting. Like, I don't even believe that he's outsmarting them and stuff. Like, because, like, they don't really, it takes you, like I said earlier, like an hour and a bit, I feel like, until you even see Jared Leto. At least it felt like that, at least 45 minutes. Which was and the best by, 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And then by the time you actually see him, I'm going, okay are we supposed to be like, is it Jared Leto or is it just, no, it's Jared Leto. And then you're like, no, it's just Jared Leto. And you're like, okay. And then you're like, I don't even buy into this, that he's like outsmarting them or he's, he's such a great serial killer that like, they can't get this evidence on him and stuff. And I'm like, they don't even get to the, like that psychological point of him, like messing with the cops and stuff like that. It's just so by the book that you're just like, is this it? I kept going as like, is this it? And it was it. And I was like, did you ever see? Um, and, and again, did you ever see Switchback from I think it was ninety five or ninety six with uh, Dennis Quaid and uh, Danny Glover? It's a film sure. about a police officer uh, on the trail of a serial killer, and uh, Danny Glover's. Um, I don't think I have is is a driver driving in. I think it's like the desert, and he picks up Jared Leto, and in the whole movie is basically one of these two guys is a serial killer. And one of them is the red herring. And that's all I could think of every time that I was seeing Jared Leto in this movie, because like it's, it's, he's less creepy in switchback, but it's like the moments in that script where they're like, Oh yeah, he could be the serial killer. Watch out, Danny Glover. Yeah. Careful. And then like, Den- and then Denzel, uh, Dennis Quaid's character is always like, you know, in a war room or like in a, a police office or something like that being like, okay, where's, where is this guy now? We got to track him down, you know, that kind of thing. But that's all I could think of with, with Jared Leto as well, yeah. besides the bad acting. So, yeah, I was with you. I'm like, I, I'm like, he must be a red herring. Cause it's so obvious that it must be a red herring. And I'm like, Oh no, no, it's not. But like, no, it's, it's about really, the bureaucracy of the system, yeah. right? Like, even though they know and everybody knows, the audience knows that he is the serial killer, it doesn't matter. You can't just arrest the guy based on a hunch or based on, you know, your gut feeling. You have to have the evidence t- to stick and, and things can be circumstantial or corroborative. And like, again, there's a scene even that I actually I didn't think- buy into it. I'm like, oh, he's a crime fan. So that's how you explain. Yeah. I'm like- Exactly. But there is another scene in this movie where a witness- sees him before going through um, a photo lineup that she's given. I think that could have been something really interesting as, again, a little detail because the little things specifically refers to the little things that get you caught. You know, the slip ups that someone makes are the things that you need to pay attention to the most. And Denzel talks about that in the movie and that, you know, you need to find those little kind of minute details that will throw off the killer's trajectory or, or, you know, his routine. Um, And that's how you get them. And this movie just kind of feels so by the books that there's nothing really all that interesting to dive into detail wise. Yeah. And I think that's the movie's biggest, problem and it just ends up it's gonna you you said you texted this to me and i think you nailed it where you're like this is gonna be one of those movies come december where we're gonna be like was that this year you're like oh yeah we saw that and then like you'll forget that you watched it and you'll forget it even came out it it does make sense to be on hbo max it feels like an hbo i I, this isn't a shot there hbo movies are better than this movie really (laughs) um 
but it's just, I don't know, it's painfully generic. It feels like it's ripped out of the 90s, which I don't think necessarily should have been a bad thing. That could have been a cool thing. Um, but it doesn't even use the time period that interestingly. And it's just like, I don't know. It, it was so painfully mediocre to me that it like made me angry. So I'm going to give it a, a one and a half. And that's mostly just because Denzel is Denzel and he's watchable. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll give it a bland two because Denzel's good and I can see a little bit of promise there, but this is just a dusty old script that never kind of got with the times. This is this is the kind of movie where like critics will say, you know, what, it's good to have a good old fashioned throwback. It's your yeah, again, it, it is a dad movie. I would say that much like the Highwaymen was <laughs> and like um again with costner because costner was in a perfect uh world there you go there you go man um well thank you all for listening um if you like this we have a couple other shows we would love for you guys to check out uh we have a show called the untitled movie podcast it's our flagship show eric and i just shooting the shit talking about the entertainment industry and you know what's going on in our lives our last episode we did a preview of the 2021 sundance film festival um Speaking of Sundance, like we mentioned, we'll be covering the entire festival for the first time. We're very, very excited about that because we can cover it from home this year. Um, so all your coverage for the 2021 Sundance Film Festival, you can get right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, so make sure you check daily. We'll probably have a a large amount of reviews. Um, tomorrow, um, we should have, you know, Coda is our first film. Uh, so you'll be getting a, a, a review of that as well as um, Eric and I pre-screened a couple movies, which I, I have to look at embargoes, but they'll be this weekend as well. And then we have a ton of other stuff that we all go over in that Untitled Movie Podcast episode that we're excited to check out. So uh, keep refreshing that feed. It'll be just like TIFF where you'll get a new review uh, every couple hours, probably it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, and then untitled movie conversations, our newest, uh, conversations with, uh, Joey, uh, Noel and Nick Scarpino from kind of funny, uh, go check those out. Um, and I think that's all I need to plug for now. My brain's a little fried, but, uh, please go follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast. Drop us a review. If you would be so kind on all of those podcast services. Um, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm usually bumming around letterboxd. Uh, if you want to spoil what I rate some of these movies, um, and Twitter, and I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And I'm on social medias at EM6211. And until next time, Jared Leto is twisted.